Yo, welcome to another edition of 43.6, the sports podcast you always wanted. I'm Dustin Perry, and I'm joined by James Key. Hello, James. Tech master James Key for this week. That's, That's what it should be. Certain, certainly one way to put it. And along for the ride is Maddie Key. Hello, Maddie. Yeah, okay. A lot of people give me shit because like all my shakers and protein powders, pre-workouts and stuff like that's all ghost stuff. This guy over here got the t-shirt, got the shaker, and he's out of I didn't even realize I was all <laughs> ghosted up. It tastes very good, their stuff, though. He can attest to it. It's- it does taste good, but it's packed with sucralose. That's why. Everything yeah. that's packed with sucralose tastes half good compared to the normal thing. That's why we like packed, We have a packed show this evening. We're going to be talking about Shane Doan. Fred Van Vliet, Darko Ryakovich, Anthony Bass, and the Canadian Open. Of course, this show is brought to you by Now Your Treasures, which we will talk a bit more about later. But first, before we get to all that, we'd like to talk about our week and what has been going on in our week, and I suppose we can continue this conversation about ghosts, James. What? I thought no, you had you... some more to say no, about that. No, I, I got fuck all to say about that. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, I do. I binged through Ted Lasso and I messaged my brother and I said, oh, yeah. I've never consistently cried through <laughs> through television shows as a grown man uh, I, up to those last three episodes and not like a like a small one tier thing. Like, dude, I was like close to weeping as a as a grown ass man. Like, and they, they, they know how to manipulate your emotions in an ebb and flow like things hap- happen and you're so happy and then they then they take it away from you and it's very and and they leave things like can we can we talk about the end yeah like, we've i all think seen it's it. are we but okay. are we past I, spoiler yeah i think it's it's been enough time but if in the event it hasn't been and you haven't watched the finale of ted lasso skip ahead three minutes and that's the yeah. most we're going to give this Exactly. Um, One, two, three. So, did it leave it ambiguous the way that Dr. Jake was treating the game and then how he wasn't at the baseball thing that maybe he's not in the picture? Like, did they kind of leave that open-ended? I I think it's intentionally open-ended. And my assumption is that whether they're broken up now, but they are not going to be together much longer. Dr. And Jake I, had, and I was, I thought they planted the seeds that they like him and his wife were going to work on things because there was the the look back when she goes into the van when they were in England. Mm-hmm. There was her enormous investment in the game, um, and him going back. I mean, obviously well, it's also, for his son, but I think a part of it, I think he goes back to work on things with her. And I think it's it's a part and parcel about the whole therapy aspect of the show. I think, you know, part of it was he had to work on himself and, and not bury things. And I think he's going to go back with a new set. of It sounds kind of meta, but a new set of tools to work on his family. At least that's what I got from the ending. You bring up the episode where she's getting in the cab, like when they're leaving England and they like his ex-wife and his son. There's that moment where there's two things that jumped out. The kid runs by him when he goes to give him like a hug and he just gets right in the van. Not that, but that's another good point too, where that he clearly doesn't have the same connection that Ted has. But 
he was giving his son's bag to his ex-wife and he was like hanging on to it and like hung on to it for an extra second. He was looking at her hand to see if she had a ring on. Right. And she like did. that whole episode and she didn't. And that whole episode, he was like paranoid that he was going or his, yeah, her boyfriend was going to propose or whatever. But maybe he did. Exactly. That's what I'm trying to get at. So the episode led you to believe that, oh, okay, it never happened. They didn't, she, he didn't propose to her. But what if he did propose to her and she just said no? Right. And that changes everything of that dynamic of that relationship. And that's why they're so like severed, I think, towards the end of that show. That and so there's that piece. And then obviously there's two other things I want to touch on. Number one, I could do with more Ted Lasso content, but I think I'm content if that's where it lands. Um, It is a self-contained story. I I think everybody reaches their they're kind of crescendo like even roy getting his therapy um you know i don't think they have to win the champions league for it to be a thing um you know major league did it without them ever winning fuck all and they made two good movies out of it and a third um and then it reignited my 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 interest in passion in soccer which i I hope we get a chance to cover more here because a lot's going to go down in the next couple of years, you know, between I, I, you didn't have it on the list, but it was originally messy. And what well, maybe we can talk about that quickly, uh, out of the maybe back end of the show. Uh, there's a lot of stuff. Even Canada has, uh, big matches coming up. Uh, they have a gold cup CONCACAF match in like two weeks. So, and I mean, man city is basically like the New York Yankees of, the champions league with everybody plays for that team so like it's it's certainly growing here the women's game is growing uh in the u.s too at a rapid pace so and i was even watching a york united game on tv for like a couple minutes and Dwayne dorosario i think is the coach i'm not even sure but his son plays for the team which is really cool by the way, it's been three minutes and 45 seconds, so this is the end of the Ted Lasso. <laughs> Sorry, okay, I, okay, I'm done. I was just going to say, like, I need a time check on that, but we're good. Yeah, okay. Sounds good. But no, I agree. I, I think soccer can be a... Uh, it's, a it's getting a lot more popular in this country for obvious reasons. And obviously, the men making the World Cup is going to be a huge part of that. Now, obviously, Ted Lasso is a big part of the interest in soccer to someone who maybe didn't watch it prior to that i'm very curious to see like what the merchandise numbers are for afc richmond and like compare that to another club like would it be comparable to a premier league team maybe not but would it be comparable to mls team probably you mean like a fictional team versus yeah like if you go to i don't i don't know the name of the store i don't know if it's paramount or apple or whoever the fuck is doing the actual official store I mean, it is Apple, but I don't know if it's like an Apple store. I think it's some other like television production company that is selling the merchandise. Nevertheless, they sell like jerseys and shirts and scarves and all the same stuff you would buy from any other professional sports team. They have it for sale as well. And I've been looking into getting something for myself, actually. Yeah, it's Warner Brothers. It's Warner Brothers. Yeah, okay. So that's what it was. But yeah, like I, I would love to get a Roy Kent jersey. Mm-hmm. I may do that actually. <laughs> Get a Danny Rojas. <laughs> oh, no. let's put a pin in uh, Danny Rojas. We'll come back to that in a second. But oh. anything else for you, James? That's it, man. Tapping out. Maddie. 
Uh, I continued my progression of a full bodysuit of tattoo work and got my lower part of my arm started slash it'll be finished in a couple weeks. So that was the big thing for me. This week, more Diablo, more Sunday softball in the fucking rain last night. That was that was garbage. Okay. At that point, you should just say, let's, let's not play. Dude, let's just drink well, here. Okay. So we played, a, I guess, a team that, like, we even went to them at the start. We're like, hey, it's pissing rain out here. Like, this fucking sucks. We're miserable. Like, why don't we just call it zero zero tie or whatever? Or, shit, let's just give you the three nothing win and we'll get out of here. Like, no, 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 it's not too bad. We'll play. And we're like, are you fucking kidding me? So like, there's nothing worse pl- than softball field gray clay in the rain or whatever that shit is. It's the it's red the clay. Worst. Oh, you're in the red. It's That's not so bad. Clay. No, but like it was, it was shit, and we won. So they should have taken the three nothing like four foot win. But we won. But it comes back to what I had said last week. So the umpire was conveniently sick. He left halfway through the previous game. And I'm just like, he just didn't want to fucking stand in this shit. Anyway, so I guess the they have a rule built in where you have to ump your own team, but you have to do it with integrity. And we're like, okay, cool. Like, we don't fucking care. We'll call balls and strikes. I don't care. Right? So they had their guy and he's ump. And then like when we were batting, and this guy's playing shortstop, and he's like a deep short, like on the grass, ball would come in and he'd yell ball or strike. And our ump guy was like, oh, that's a ball. He's like, oh, I think it was, it was strike. And we're just like, dude, okay. So we were just like, no, it was a ball, but we'll move on. And then the next one came in. It was a ball. He's like, oh, that's two strike. We're like, dude, who's calling the game here? Like, are you that much, again, of a hardo that you got to sit here from out at short and and so even his own pitcher was like let them call their game if they're calling art and then we just laid into this guy so like every time they pitch we're like was that a ball or a strike and it's just this is again why i stopped playing like adult league sports is because you get these guys that just take it so fucking seriously and he wasn't you're still there I know I'm doing it because like baseball is the one I really haven't played that much in recent history. So it was like, you know, it'd be nice to play again. And it just reaffirmed my reasoning of like one of the reasons why I don't do this anymore. And I'm just like, man, like at least it's not hockey hardos, man, where the guys like hack and stick you and shit like that. And the other thing, too, is I guess I could tolerate it if the guy's like legit. But he was not good. Like, not good. Like, balls just sailing through them and just missed catches and not being able to make the throw to second. And I was just like, whatever. Like I said, so, dudes just want a story to tell the bunnies after, man. That's all they want to. Oh. They want to. I bet, dude, I bet you that dude has a, his own podcast and he goes and talks shit about you. <laughs> I hope so. I really hope he does because if he did, at least he'd have something like a reason of why he's like that. But. Like, looking at this dude, this dude would need to have an 8-inch dick and, like, a bank account with at least 50 sheets in it to have some bunnies to tell this story to. Because if not, I mean, he's uphill in the snow, man. But, yeah, I digress. Anyway, so, yeah, so the tattoo part. I love it, but I hate it because I'm at the point where I actually heal relatively quickly from tattoos. Like, they say, oh, you peel within about five days. I peel in two. And I'm already itchy as fuck. And I'm 
struggling not to just rip my arm apart and scratch the shit out of it. So well, you have that to look an, forward to. An egregious waste of money if you did. I right, and that's the other thing too. Like an, another little tangent. I can't stand the people that go and get their tattoos and then just don't protect them. Do you know what I mean? Like they get them. And then the first basic rule, you don't go out in the sun and like tan for minimum three weeks. And even if you do after that, you cake sunscreen on. The other thing you don't do is for the first three weeks, you don't go into a pool or a hot tub or anything like that. Cause you can bleed the ink out and damage the skin. Also you can get it infected. It's an open wound essentially. And you have people who go out there and they're just brand new tattoo out in the sun. And, and I asked them, I was like, yo, you put sunscreen on that? Like, well, we'll know why. And I'm like, you're going to cook the ink out of that skin. That black is going to look pale gray by the end of the summer. Like, well, it's not going to be that bad. I'm like, yeah, what do I know? But, <laughs> you know, it's just, it, it's, I, I would say total my tattoos, like chest and arms are like north of 30 grand. Jesus Christ. <laughs> right? Or like probably not like 20, 25, close to 30. And it's just, why wouldn't I just $5 bottle of sunscreen? Could be 10, could be 40, could be 80, could be nine. <laughs> but yeah, yeah that's my I, tangent. I suppose you also probably could just get tattoos in a better time of year, like book something. For yeah, just winter. Gonna be, yeah. 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 But then even in the summer, when you go out, you still want to put the sunscreen on because you still don't want to ruin it. Well, sure. Ideally, you should always wear sunscreen if you're going out, especially if you're white. Thanks, man. I don't know, I'm just saying, like, I can get away with more than you guys can. All Hard agree. Yeah, pale Irish skin. Anyway, you, Dustin. Uh, this weekend, I saw Transformers, the new one. Oh, yeah? It was okay. I mean, I went in expecting it to be pretty bad, and it was actually enjoyable. And I, You mean I it was the time. best movie you've ever seen? Uh, are you suggesting you saw it as well? No. Okay. I'm being, I'm being a very good employee. He's being a show. Oh, I understand. Oh, you know what? Actually, I thought about you uh, during that movie. Oh. And I don't want to say why, because it would be a spoiler of the movie. You're a weird guy, Ace! Weird guy! So um, maybe after the show, I will uh, tell you why exactly. Is that what the post credit scene? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Okay, so you, you already know what happens. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. Okay. And yeah, obviously, it's a, it's like at the very, very end no of the movie. No comment. So I don't want to spoil it for anyone. Yeah, exactly. Don't want to spoil it for anyone who hasn't seen the movie. Although, who the fuck's going to go see this movie other than me? I'm just the one weirdo who sees like every movie that comes out. But. Transformers does well, though, man, because people just want to watch robots fuck each other up, man. That's why Pacific Rim did so well. Honestly, this movie, I think, was good just because it was bootleg Iron Man. And when, it, yeah, no, it, like, it, I get it, what you mean. I like, mean, I'm, it's like the main bad guy is basically Ultron and like they're in like an Iron Man suit. I'm like, okay, this is well, that's how it was literally Iron Man versus Ultron right now. In the original 80s Transformer cartoon, the human guy had like a mech suit that he wore. Mm. I wonder if that may pop up at some time. It's a different name, though. You'll have to wait and see if you decide to see this movie. Also, uh, this weekend. I was glad that I had the weekend off because I forgot that Xbox Showcase was this weekend. And I mean, I forgot until I was it was happening, and then I was, of course, watching it. My Christ, guys! Starfield is going to take over our lives. Oh, yeah. yeah, 
we don't need to talk too much on this, but I think we can all say that if if you're one the main criticism was that Xbox wasn't releasing games, and I think it was just a matter of patience because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter whether they're releasing games when you think they should be. They have Game Pass, which means but when they all come, you're just you're playing them for basically the fee or, you know, you feel like it's free because you pay one one fee and all these AAA games, whether it's a Clockwork, whatever it was called, or Avowed, Fable. or Forza, or Fable, or Starfield, like they're all you just install. Like you can pre-install a bunch of them now, and then when it comes out, you just hit play, which is crazy. Yeah, yeah. it always it always makes me laugh when I see people like I don't I mean I don't personally see them. I see it on TikTok. Of people lining up outside like a GameStop or something, like, oh, I'm gonna get the new Pokemon game. It's 2023. What the fuck are you doing? Just download it. What yeah. are you doing here? Although that Starfield Collector is fucking nice. Ooh, it does look good. I know that Starfield Collector's. <laughs> it's also four hundred dollars. Four hundred and something Canadian. Oh, okay. I'll probably look at the U- yeah. I'll probably look at the U.S. price. Yeah, it's two ninety nine American. So three ninety nine Canadian. Yeah, three ninety nine Canadian. Jesus yeah. Christ! But you get a steel book. Yes. Oh, a bunch of DLC. Yeah. But the game is a digital download in there. Yeah. So you get like a key card that's got like the code on it. Or like a key so card. So the Steelbook yeah, is a display case. Uh-huh. Yeah, I know. It's, it, I mean, and, the, and a watch. Like a full smartwatch that comes watch. with it. An actual yeah. watch. Oh, Dustin's out. getting it. Look, he needs an update. I can tell. I, I don't need an update. I'm not going to get the collector's edition. I'm telling myself I'm not going to get the collector's edition. Because I don't, I don't need it. What the fuck am I going to do with this watch? It looks cool. Don't get me wrong. I would like to have the watch. I'm not spending $400 on this watch. And also, just, just absolutely scream nerd to everyone else. I was thinking about this too. It was such a massive punch to the dick of Sony in terms of this generation or cycle of software that it, like, when I look at my PlayStation, I'm like, Spider-Man 2 is a $500, $700 game because that's why I have the console. I have the well, console again, to play Spider-Man. So now the Spider-Man is a $700 game, but it's not a $700 no, but, game. So now no, I feel like it is. He would have family share. He's on family sharing, and he knows I'm going to get the game. Doesn't matter. I've had to buy the system, which means it's a $700 right. game. Uh, but you're getting all sure, these But games, you played though. God of War. I played half an hour of God of War. Okay, well. And I haven't touched The Last of Us. And I played two hours, maybe, of Final Fantasy VII Remake. But you spent time in Spider-Man. Yeah, I have I have destroyed both the OG Spider-Man and Miles, so. No, okay, the one thing I'll say about, like, Starfield, and this is the funniest way, like, I just can't wait for Jim to pick this game up. Because it's been like 20 years and he still hasn't beaten the campaign in Skyrim. Because he just goes off on Dude, like the world the and OG, explores. Okay, in Oblivion. I, do you remember Oblivion, right? Of course. Of course. I put in Oblivion into my Xbox 360. I get off the boat as a prisoner or whatever. And I do my thing. And some guy runs up to me. He's like, you have to find this amulet. I'm like, okay, buddy. And I never fucking did that mission. I pumped 86 hours into that game. Never did the first fucking story mission. Just ran around exploring dungeons, doing side quests, guild quests, whatever. But that's the fun thing about these games. And I'm of the opinion for Fallout 4, 
I never finished the main story of Fallout 4 because I think that's the right ending of Fallout 4. Because Fallout 4, you have like all these different factions. You can join with these guys and do this thing and join these guys and do this thing and blah, blah, blah. I just didn't pick a side and I just kept running around doing side missions because I feel like no matter what decision you ended up making, the world just like blows up and stuff. I'm like, oh, <laughs> that seems like a, <laughs> a, a undesirable outcome. So I just never picked a side and just kept playing the game until I got bored of it. And that was it's it. odd because so. I finished Fallout 3 story because I loved it, but I don't. It's weird that I didn't do anything in Oblivion. I didn't do fuck all in Skyrim. So, oh, the beauty of Skyrim is like you see a mountain and you're like, I'm gonna climb it, and you get to the very top and you're just like, this was awesome. Like it's like genuinely, you had that moment where you're like this is cool. And then yeah. one of the mountains, you get to the very top, and that's where the statue of Mayrun's Dagon is. Now, like, oh, here we go. Imagine that feeling, on but a not the top of the planets. mountain, but you'd be like, yo, what's on that planet? Yeah. And you take your fucking ship and you fly over to some random planet. On the way there, you board some other rando ship and kill all of them and take all their all their loot and take their ship back with you. And you land on this ship and you start finding resources and random aliens you've never seen before in your life. It's just... Yeah. It is the craziest sized video game. I don't, I don't know if and you'll ever see anything this big. And your experience will be different than somebody else's. Oh, 100%. Even Fallout, I remember going to work. And that was a cool thing about Fallout was I would go to work the next day and I would tell a friend of mine a story that happened to me in Fallout of like this crazy turn of events. And, and that would never happen to anyone else except me. Just the way that game is generated and how things just happen, right? That's what we're going to experience in Starfield and I can't wait. Or you know what's going to really happen? You're going to go through quests and stuff and be like, I did this, I did this, I did this. And because of the sheer size of the game, you, like Jim said, your experience will be different. It could be a quest that your friends will never see. They might be in a completely different galaxy, let alone yeah. a different planet. Yeah. Right. So, no, I'm, I'm very excited for Starfield. And after that showcase, it made me realize why it's getting delayed a few times. And I, I kind of hate gamer culture because people will... A game will come out like Cyberpunk and bitch and moan of how buggy it is and how shitty it is. And, you know, in terms of, you know, it, it doesn't feel complete and it was rushed and blah, blah, blah. And then they whine and cry about it. But then if so, they're like, hey, we have to delay it again by six months, they freak out, be like, why? Just ship it and patch it later. Like they contradict themselves at every turn. I'd much rather them ship a, and we all know Bethesda games are buggy as hell. It's who they are, but it's, you accept it. I feel like it's getting better. I feel like that sentiment isn't as prevalent as it used to be, but I know what you're saying. Like, you can't have it both ways. Yeah, it's stupid. Well, so. something that wasn't stupid was what the Maple Leafs did this past week, and they hired Shane Doan to be the assistant to something or another. I don't know. Fuck, he's in the front office. The assistant he's gonna to be the working. traveling secretary? Exactly. He's the George Costanza now. He's in the Jason Spezza role, kind of, uh, this time to Brad for a living. I, I'm sure if I took two seconds, I could probably uh, pull up what the actual title is. Uh, special advisor to the general manager. Jason Spencer 2.0. I would love that job. <laughs> that sounds like here's a, a high paying <laughs> job that has absolutely no responsibility Dude. and no accountability. Just, it would just be like uh, Trey Living's about to make a movie. You just kind of lean over and go, hey, man, I don't know if this is a good idea. <laughs> like that's basically your gig. Or... Hey man, this would work out better if you do X, Y, and Z. And then Trey Levin goes, "Huh? Thanks, Shane. Thanks, donor." And that's it. 
or he leans over to, not the soup today go before with the we get pasta. too uh deep into this i just want to quickly point something out james um as we're recording it's monday night so raw is happening right now and uh Rhea ripley's just been given the new uh world heavyweight women no, sorry world women women's weight championship whatever the fuck it's called um and it's just the world title but it's the white strap yeah and um it's hilarious to me because like that's a meme at this point and i feel like they're just fucking with everybody you know what i mean like someone probably said no be a stupid idea let's just uh take roman's belt and put a white strap on it and call it a girl's belt and they did that and then someone's like it'd be funnier if we took a world heavyweight championship and just put a white strap on it and gave yeah it that was ripley. the i heard that was the plan was they were going to mimic the men's titles exactly just with a white strap Anyways, um, I just think it's hilarious because they have absolutely no creativity. Um, no. And I, it reminds me of the time. Do you remember when Smash Wrestling had the tag team championships first unveiled? I don't want to talk about this. Oh, that's actually, <laughs> fuck it. Let's talk about it real quick. Let's talk about it? Okay. Um, so I don't know how far back you want to go, but the thing that I am re- instantly remembering, I remember the belts were like sitting on the ring apron. This is way before the show starts. Wait, and, how far back you want to go? You want to go far back when they weren't done in time? So we used... So that's... I wasn't going that far back, but... I'm So I'm saying this is when they had the actual two belts. Okay? And the two belts were sitting on the ring apron. And I remember hacker Scotty O'Shea walks in. And he looks at the belts and he says, Oh, we got women's tag titles? <laughs> just because just they're white strap. I'm like, you know what? That's a perfectly yep. reasonable thing to say because sure. that's what has the audience has been conditioned to believe that a white strap is the women's championship now. Except for the Intercontinental title. Well, I mean, they don't have that one anymore, though. Yeah, but uh, it was... Dude, that was... Again, not to throw shade, but again, not... If... if uh, they were not the best. They, they were... Not the best. Just not well produced not well designed they just weren't very good they look no, like the 24 I mean, 7 champion now <laughs> oh they're probably beat the shit out of like they're <laughs> yeah they look real bad <laughs> yeah uh and someone somewhere will go well they have a story no they don't um they you know they look like the 24 7 titles and it's it's one of those things like sometimes you know traditional like destiny's tag titles i think look great they do yeah you know what i mean because and yep. there's a little bit of tradition in there um but i digress not my pig not my farm i agree nevertheless back to what we're actually talking about is shane donor donor is now uh, or special advisor to the general manager now one of the funniest things i read on twitter and i wish i, f- I could find the tweet so i can at least give credit to the person who said it but they said Shane Doan is being hired just to walk around Scotiabank Arena in front of Austin Matthews and say, wow, we didn't have this in Arizona. Whoa, <laughs> we didn't have this in Arizona. <laughs> That's great. I mean, probably. It's not wrong. Like, well, I mean, the sentiment isn't wrong. And I, I don't think, I, I think it's fair to say and I, no disrespect to Shane Doan in any way like Shane Doan was an, a, a very serviceable player in the NHL 
probably more well known for his play internationally than he ever will be known for his time with the Coyotes and Jets. Would would love a player of his uh, expertise on this team. I would love a I would love a player of his ilk on this team. So if he's going to be there advising Trey Living, I'm, I'm about it because I want I want that type of player uh, on this team. I would agree with that, but, and I mean, so how, how should I say this nicely? I agree with you that this team needs uh, players like what Shane Doan was in his prime, but at the same time, Shane Doan never won a Stanley Cup. And I say it with all due respect to Shane Doan, obviously he was on a bunch of horseshit Coyotes teams. So that's, I understand that. I'm just saying sometimes that's not everything you need. And Maybe the Maple Leafs already have all those other things you need as well, right? And well, he never had the skill base that the Leafs have that around him. That's for sure. The closest yeah. he got was an aging Jeremy Roenick, Antonio and, Monte, Antonio Monte, and what's his name? Um, I don't even know. Uh, I don't even Perot. know. I don't even know if they were there at that time. He, I, the best he might have gotten was what's his name? Um, well, oh. Ronick was because Doan spent his whole career in Arizona and including the Jets. Like, I think his first two years was in Winnipeg, so he would have been there with Jeremy Ronick. I forget. Oh, you're right. Doan was in Winnipeg. Shane Doan's first year was in Winnipeg in the 95-96 season when he was 19 years old. Mm. From then on, he was with Phoenix slash Arizona for the remaining 20 years of his career. Fucking 21-year career. <laughs> Dude put in time. That's insane to say. But for a sport like that, too. Do you know... Who Austin Matthews' hockey idol is? Shane Doan. Shane Doan. Of course, do it's you Shane know? Doan. He grew well, up in Arizona. Do you know who needs a contract negotiated past <laughs> July first? <laughs> well, that's the pre- prevailing mindset. Is that, and I think it's twofold. I think that's not inherently the reason he got the job i think that it helped a lot it was the point where they wanted someone probably like him like a spezza to come in to the organization the same way and then they looked like well this just fits too perfectly because matthews needs a new deal and don's here now and maybe that'll help out a little bit or whatever so um i don't know i guess like because you brought it up i don't know how you fucking feel about this whole thing with Matthew saying like three-year deal or people saying Matthews is going to go three years and three to five and no more than that. I don't know. Um, so I pulled up just before again, that's a great point. I want to come back to that, Maddie, but I, I, because we t- mentioned it earlier, I want to quickly reference this. Um, the best year that Shane Doan had with the Coyotes, I shouldn't say that the best year the Coyotes had when Shane Doan was on the roster would have been 2011, 2012, where they played like 16 uh, postseason games. It was 16. I'm not lying. Okay, perfect. That year, Shane Doan was third in scoring on the team. <laughs> Can you think of who would have been first and second in scoring on the 2011, 2012 Phoenix Coyotes? Any random guesses? I'm going to say, what's his name? Dude, he used to always go to St. Louis. Not Lee, Was it Lee Stepniak? Uh, Lee Stepniak was not, I don't think, on this team at the time, no. Okay. Good so 2011, Mike Johnson? Negative. James? 2011? Yeah, 2011, 2012, Phoenix Coyotes. 
who was first or second in scoring above Shane Doan. Shane Doan had 50 oh, points. Danny Breer. Danny Breer was not on this roster. Oh. So the so, answer is, uh, at number two is Radam Verbata, who had 35 goals and 27 assists for 62 points. And then number one was Ray Whitney. Had his 39-year-old season, scored 24 goals and 53 points. That's my dude. Ray Whitney is legit. You had a young Keith Yandel on this team. You had Martin Hansel. Oliver Ekman Larson was That's on like this his team first as or well. second year, no? He was 20 Ray Whitney years old was significantly season. better than Ryan Whitney. Yes. But you see some fun stuff. You look down the line, like Adrian Acoin. Like, oh, yeah, I remember that guy. And then, of oh, course, yeah. Paul Bissonnette was on this team as well. You can't forget about Biz Nasty. No, actually, it's. That that's what gave him a career essentially in like the media because that's when he got really popular with like his Twitter and shit like that, yeah. right? So, but yeah, so, so yeah, not exactly known for having the most stars in Arizona. And if they want one, yeah, Austin Matthews could be one potentially if the Maple Leafs don't resign him. And, he's and if he doesn't to, like money, oh, of course not. I don't think there's a chance in hell he's going to Arizona. But yeah, the, the talk around town right now is that Austin Matthews is looking for a three-year deal. And fuck, I wish I had it. I had the numbers that someone was talking about. I might be able to find it on my Twitter. Because I think I retweeted it. Because I was just so, like... I was upset when I saw these numbers that came out. Was it the $200 million thing that he's, like, biding his time so he could be the first $200 million player in the NHL? Oh, that's not even the way I was going with it. Uh, it was TSN Mike Johnson who predicted that... So he's this was on Overdrive when he said that it's either going to be three years, thirty mil. Uh, excuse me, three years, forty million. Do you know what the average for three years, forty million is? Sixteen and a half. Thirteen point three four. And then I said, "You motherfuckers!" Oh, no, I remember. Yeah, yeah, you I fucking you put your foot down on this bullshit. No more point three four nonsense. Get your fucking jersey number into your contract. It's embarrassing. You're an adult now. Just be an adult. This is stupid. If you want a three-year deal, fine. I don't care. Sign up to a three-year deal. That's, that is fine by me. But this whole jersey number bullshit, I hope Brad Living puts a stop to this. Because this is just getting silly. That's pretty bad. I concur. <laughs> You're like, what do you guys think? I was like, oh, you pretty much said it. No, no it's, yeah, it's, like, it's fucking chi- stupid. It's, yeah, it's ch- child shit. They, um, I don't have a problem with a three-year deal because I get it. This dude is, if you put yourself anything more than three to five right now, you risk being locked into a number that doesn't coincide with a cap increase. So I get it. It doesn't mean he's disloyal to the team. Hell, he might even have a gentleman's agreement with the office that, hey, man, I'm sticking around. I'm just playing this for my own benefit, to be honest. And they might understand, and they might actually find that conducive to to working with them. I mean, traditionally, you lock a guy in at a price, right? But, I mean, either him or his agent is clearly much smarter than, than that. But, I mean, there's also a benefit to a player having term. I mean, you can get hurt, uh, you know, things like that. Like, that, the guaranteed money thing in the NFL is always, a, is always an argument because guys sign contracts get hurt and then they're like well see ya so in the nhl it's always guaranteed so having term kind of protects you from from that i don't i don't know man 
I don't think I'd be pissed with a three-year deal. I don't. I don't think I care. I mean, to be honest with these jabronis, I don't give a shit whether it's one, two, three-year deal because they haven't won fuck all anyway. So right. What am I? So what am I, I holding on to? I get it from Austin Matthews' perspective. If it is going to be a three-year deal, and if that is what they're looking for, because in three years from now, or I guess you can say three years from now, in four years from now, because he's still under contract for one more year, in four years from now, he'll be twenty-nine years old, and he will still be able to cash in on another huge deal. And supposedly, the salary cap might not go up at all this year; it may remain flat. And then you may you may see, or you will likely see. A significant increase in the salary cap over the next few years after that. So that's probably what he's looking at is saying, if I can only make 20% of the salary cap maximum, why don't I just sign a short-term deal now when I'm 29 years old, sign another deal that's 20% of the cap, and now all of a sudden you're a $20 million player instead of also, a $13 million player. Also, the let's CBA. not forget, who was the last 20 or 29-year-old the Leafs signed to a big fucking deal? good point uh, like you Tavares to, bring up John Tavares is that we're trying to do right now yeah and and do you think John Tavares today is an 11 million dollar player no knock on John I'm just saying do you think John Tavares today is a, I mean he did score 39 goals last year I, I believe a majority of them were on the power play um I mean still that's a lot of goals right but is he an 11 million dollar player probably not but I don't think he's that so, far off and honestly for sure, but I'm saying, at let's say age 30, with not knowing anything, do you want to have a commitment to Austin Matthews at say 15 million dollars, up until he's 34, 33? I mean, I don't know. I, mean, I hate long-term deals, honestly. <laughs> I honestly, would much rather continue to sign guys three years at a time every time. I don't. I don't think it's so much on the cap jump. I think it's he's signing through till the CBA expires currently. That's also because, a really good point. Right. The CBA expires at the end of the 25-26 season, which would be four years. So it would be his last year plus the three-year extension he would sign. And if what if they work into the CBA the whole you can only make X percent of the cap? What if that goes out the door, but there's still a hard cap? He could make arguably a little bit more than what's allowable and with the cap jumping up. So, I mean... I would say from a business sense, it's the smartest business decision he would ever make is to do that. Um, I also think I also I'm wondering, yeah, but I'm wondering flip side though, quickly, get, quickly, yeah. if you're the Leafs, you don't, you don't want to pay that much money if there's a lockout. Well, I think all the contracts get put on hold and then you essentially lose a year of the deal. That's what happened last time. And yeah. then the, the the half season, the guys got prorated contracts. So um, it just goes back to that analogy is the right word, but of the statement that the NHL is not a real league. Yeah, the, the fact, fact there's that a, there's a work stoppage every single time there's the, a CBA that comes up. In every 15 time. years, we've had three work stoppages potentially. Yep. Two for sure. Two one full cancellation, one half season, and then um, yeah. But I I just I think. For him, he's putting himself in the best position possible, which, I mean, no one could blame him. I mean, we can all talk about the loyalty thing. We can all talk about, no, secure the bag long term. I mean, if this is the NFL, I'd be like, I, I yes and no. But with the NHL, your contract's guaranteed anyway. 
Like he could sign for the eight years and be a piece of shit and go off to Robodot Island when he's 32 and he's still getting, you know, 18 sheets a year. Who cares? But I just think that I think he's setting himself up to uh, one cash in, like I said, at potentially whatever the new CBA works out to be. What if the players get a no cap out of it? Like, I don't honestly think that would happen. I don't think the NHL would ever no. do it. But what if they trade something where, okay, what if it's not the NHL says, okay, fine, there's a cap, but if you go over it by however million, there's a luxury tax. And then there's no percentage paid or limit to one player. I mean, that's always been talked about as a way to fund the, the lower-end teams, but I think right. the, I think that goes in the face of Gary's parity strategy. And, I mean, I think we're, we're seeing it this year. Of, you know, anybody out of these playoffs could have come out and, and been in this final. And I think Gary Batman's somewhere just beating it right now that, that Vegas is on the brink of winning a cup. So, Yeah, I think if we're in a luxury tax league, Vegas and Florida are not in the cup final right now. Yeah, I think because that's what we see in baseball, right? Like you see, you see the Yankees and yeah, the, uh, the Dodgers and all the teams that can spend, they spend. And if you're able to spend up to or beyond the luxury tax, you have enough money to pay the tax, right? It's not, it's not going to affect you in any way. So I, I, I just, there's a few things I would love to see come out of the new CBA just to one, you know, protect teams a little bit from themselves and two, but also kind of create some interesting, you know, factors. You know, I would like to see a franchise tag where one player say 50% of his contract doesn't count towards the cap. Right. And then, so you put that tag on them, you can pay them, you know, the max allowable under the deal, but 50% of it doesn't count towards your cap. Two, a luxury tax. Three, um, this whole thing. I, I would love to see a third goalie that has to have like, you know, the dollar figure can't go be more than X amount of your thing and can only play in the sense of, you know, once every X amount of games or in an injury instance, then he can come in. Um, there's you know just a I few want, things that... You know what I would want to see? A state tax adjustment. Yes, that Somehow. would be, that that would create legitimate pay parity for the rest of the teams because when you're in Nevada, Texas, and Florida, no state tax. You you sign a guy in Florida for nine million, he's getting nine million. Obviously, we're simplifying it because there's other taxes that they pay, but you know, nine million is nine million in Florida. In Toronto, that to to equate to that nine million, you have to pay like fourteen. And then years later, the CRA will come after you like they're doing to Batista and Russell Martin right now. Right. Yeah. Exactly. I heard about that the other day. Um, but yeah, that's another good one too. Saying like, if you're in a, depending on your tax rate, you're allowed to go X percent above what the cap is to account for your tax rate. Yeah. You know, that would just make it way more fair, but see the league doesn't do that because the States that have no tax are, you know, the teams they want to grow. So they don't want to even it out. Anything else on Shane Doan? I know we yeah. veered way off the topic of Shane Doan, so, but anything else for him? I didn't really get to talk about like the character of the type of player and person that he is is the exact type of guy you want there. Yes, the advantage that he knows Austin Matthews really well. He also knows Matthew Nyes really well. Nyes plays with his kid or played with his kid. Uh, I like it all. He's. I remember when back in the day, just before he finished his career, there was talk he was going to play here. 
because they were either trying to trade for him or potentially sign for him because they thought that was the type of leadership quality they needed in the room. So I think now for this team, he's a good guy to have around there. You know, one of the strongest reputations of a player you'd ever see in the past 20 years. So I think it's all positive. Yeah, strong character. I mean, good leadership. Like when you're looking at a guy like Trey Levin coming in and, and Dubis and Spezza leaving, you want to try and replace some of that character somehow. And I think Shane Doan is a good way of doing that. I found it interesting. He bailed on his kid, <laughs> you know, his kid got drafted to Arizona and he was all proud. And he's like, nah, I'm going to take this gig. Uh, but I think it, 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 what it does is it establishes a, an understanding of trust. I think amongst the organization that, they're still going to bring in the right people of the right character. And I hope that that floats down throughout, you know, all the way down to the lineup because fuck man, like you said, that guy, the, the way he played international play and just the type of player he was is it's exactly what this team needs. So you might be able to say that Shane Doan is a national treasure. And this episode is brought to you by now your treasures. Now your treasures are purveyors of licensed fine art prints for movies, comics, TV, and video games. Sourced from galleries in the U.S. and U.K., which include artists from all over the world. Visit Now Your Treasures on Instagram and send a DM 43.6 to receive 43% off any order. All orders are shipped with tracking and complimentary insurance. View the entire ever-expanding inventory at nowyourtreasures.ca or .com. That's N-O-W-Y-O-U-R-T-R-E-A-S-U-R-E-S dot C-A or .com. And make sure you go to Now Your Treasures on Instagram. Send a DM 43.6 to receive 43% off any order. Not only is Austin Matthews looking for a new deal, but so is Fred Van Vliet. And the word came out today, officially, or is it unofficially still? The word came out today, nevertheless, that Fred Van Vliet is going to decline his player option that he has for this coming season with the Toronto Raptors. Honestly, I don't think anyone should be surprised about this. Um, We were talking about it on this show when the trade deadline rolled around and we were begging and pleading and conjoling that the Raptors would trade Fred Van Vliet and they would trade Gary Trent Jr. And they would trade Pascal Siakam, even though Siakam has one more year left on the deal. We were hoping there's going to be something happen because we didn't want to see Fred Van Vliet walk away for nothing. And now here we are. Fred Van Vliet had $22.824 million owed to him this coming season had he accepted the player option, which he did not. And now he has the opportunity to walk away for nothing. Now, to be fair, this doesn't necessarily mean the Raptors can't re-sign Fred Van Vliet to a new contract. We see it. I shouldn't say we see it. We saw it for years and years with LeBron James, where he would sign a one-year deal with a player option, and he would decline the player option every year, and he would sign max money again the next year with another player option, and then he'd decline, and like he would just keep signing with the same team over and over again but just keep declining the player option. The point is, it's not impossible if Fred Van Vliet comes back to the Toronto Raptors. But my question to you guys is, do you want to pay Fred Van Vliet $30 million next season? Nope. No. 
I mean, Don't they're worry. they're going to be barren at the point guard position, but I just uh, it's a lot of coin for how old is Fred? Fred's twenty nine. Twenty nine. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> twenty nine again. Eh? Seems to. Yeah, be, so uh, that number pops up again with same with Austin Matthews, right? So it's a similar situation, right? Yeah, I just I, you know, they. This is what is starting. Listen, Matt, big ups to Masai. The dude traded Andrea Bargnani. The <laughs> he did, he did, <laughs> he did. Um, my, f- I, mm, how do I say this? He sat there in front of us and said, "We can get whatever it is we're getting now, or better in the summer, but not if he walks." Then we get nothing. So what Chris you're saying Paul, is at the trade Chris deadline? Paul. Sorry? We're signing Chris Paul. Watch. No, Chris Paul's going to the Lakers, I think. Probably. I don't know. Well, the offers on the table, supposedly, for Fred Van Bleet at the time of the trade deadline was going to be probably some back-end bench players and a first. Yeah, I heard it was like Grayson Allen in a first or like Kennard in a first, right? Which is, but that's better than, uh, first of all, I don't want any, I don't want Grayson Allen anywhere near yeah, this no. team. And I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Duke fan. And fuck that guy. Um, But a first would be better than nothing. Which And I mean, you could do a sign and trade, but still. I think the Kyle Lowry return was the best sign and trade return I've ever seen. You You generally don't get a lot in sign and trades because the other team knows you're dicked. It's it's the player doing you a favor on the way out. Well, the only other benefit of a sign and trade, and I don't think the Lowry one even has max this money, yeah. is the max money and max term, right? So which I don't recall Lowry's having. I don't think it did. No. So it, and Fred's not going to nobody's going to sign want to sign Fred for max money and max term anyway. So uh, like the Raptors are fu- like they've They've backed themselves into the most mediocre position. They're not going to get anything on return on these guys. They're not good enough to compete. They don't have a high enough draft pick. They're fucked, man. They're fucked. Well, depending if if Fred glows, if Fred goes (laughs) and you trade Siakam, do it. Adora Forest, Ophelactory, Marinations. (laughs) It's a new one. I love Major League, too. Um, if Fred goes and which he likely will, and then if Siakam goes, the team will be so bad. That's a first overall pick. And also keep in mind that Gary Trent Jr. is also on a player option at 18.7. I would assume he declines that option as well. So keep in mind that Gary Trent's probably gone too. Right. So they're going to have a not good team in order to secure a good first round pick next year. But it's these, these fucks. This was the year. This right. was the year. You the, said it. Masai wanted Giannis for so long, had a chance at, at Wembenyama, didn't take it there. They could have been, they could have been the bottom of the league. And it's, it's embarrassing I, now because now they're, now they're somewhere at like twelfth or eighteenth or fifteenth. Like they're, and there's no. no hope for at least two years. Which what does that say to a kid that. like Scotty? 
right? Like, I don't know, man. And maybe you sell it to him like, oh, we're going to build a team around you, Scotty. Is that enough? So in three years, when Scotty kind of hits his peak, you're just getting something that'll come in at that time that won't be good enough it for another two more years. Should have should have been this year. Well, we said that, right? Like the worst thing was squeaking into the play-in for these guys. And because it's either you're good enough to be in the top five and actually get to round two or three in your conference, or you tank it so you can get a top three, four pick. They didn't do either. Like, they and what if they weren't what either. if Pirtle doesn't resign? Like everyone expects him to resign for all intents and purposes. Apparently, he likes it here. What if what if he doesn't? What if <laughs> then it's like, all. Hey. Then it's all for nothing. Now, to be fair, the Miami Heat are in the NBA final right now, and they were a playing team as well. So, just throwing that out there as well. That like, had things gone a different way, Masai wasn't necessarily wrong in saying if we get in we have a shot but i think anyone looking at this roster said no they don't <laughs> right and <laughs> then but you also, you also have to look at it like this though is they can squeak in and then come back next year and say you know what all we got to do is add a couple pieces they can sign those guys toronto's not signing those guys right and that's you know? the thing like so, like everyone says like if if you're the heat and they lose like who are you gonna add? like the name out there is Damian Lillard to the Heat, right? Like that—that that makes a lot of sense, right? So, it, the the Raptors aren't signing Damian Lillard, right? Well, I will tell you someone who the Raptors are going to sign, and that is a new head coach, and it's reported that it will be Darko Ryakovic as who? the new head coach for the Toronto Raptors. <laughs> I know a lot of people when they heard that name were like, "Who the fuck is that?" Isn't and that the Grizzlies assistant? Yes. Darko most recently was the assistant of the Memphis Grizzlies. He also was an assistant at the Phoenix Suns and was an assistant at the Oklahoma City Thunder for about five years or so. So, so this is his first, first head coaching gig? First head coaching gig in the NBA. That is correct. Okay, so he's gonna either he's either going to teach them to play like Memphis or wave guns around on Instagram. <laughs> no. Apparently, listen, apparently this guy is play things outside the box yeah his mentality and approach to the game i was watching or reading up something on it he's he believes in uh what i call it good to great in terms of shots like not settling for good shots but creating great shots he has a half second rule with the ball like you're not supposed to hold on to the ball for more than a half second it's all about ball movement and he also believes in was it paint what is it paint to greatness which means like either you're scoring points in the paint or you're kicking it out for shots. Like that's just how he believes in the game. So, I mean, that sounds exciting basketball for me. I mean, the problem is Toronto has zero people who can shoot the ball. (laughs) So I don't know how his approach to the game is going to be satisfied unless they find a shooter in the draft. And the only way they're going to find a good shooter in the draft is to trade one of these assets to trade up in the draft to take a quality shooter. Right, they were talking about one guy who was working out here, Jet, Jet something, I forget his last name, um, but the guy apparently is an incredible shooter, and he, the scouts were quoting uh, saying this guy's buckets. The problem is this guy can't fucking play defense. He like trips over his own feet on D. So it's like Jet Henderson or something. I think his name was. Um, 
So the, the I I just I don't see I don't see what they're trying to put together. Do you know what I mean? It just it feels very bleh. It just feels like vomit and that's scary for me as a fan of this team. There's no cohesive anything. I don't know if you guys can decipher it, but I I'm looking at all these what they got going on, what's expiring, what what can ha I just I don't I don't know. I don't see it. I I genuinely look at the Raptors and I just the first word that comes to head is fucked because it's <laughs> you're not signing free agents. There's nothing outside of Scotty Barnes in the pipeline that excites you. Ananobi's probably gonna want out. He's gonna ask for a trade again. You know, like is, there's there's nothing here. Is it Scoot Henderson that you're talking about? Uh no, Jet How uh Jet Howard. Oh, okay, never mind. Who might be available <laughs> at the thirteenth. So guy can shoot the lights out can create his own shots and, and his own offense but just terrible on defense not super athletic so he, he has trouble moving from assignments in transition so they'd have to find a way to work on that and i don't know if this guy's like the pete walker of defense for for these guys but it's again i just you know og might stick around if siakam isn't here and i don't think it's because they don't like each other Again, I think it comes back to these guys do the same shit. So if OG has moved up an option in the offense, he might stick around. I think he likes that. Uh, and I think if you're going to take a guy like Jet Howard, you're going to need someone who knows how to play defense. And OG can do that. So no, he definitely can. But I just think, like, if you take the Raptors as currently how you see them with what's on their roster now. Take Van Vliet out of it. Assume Trent may come back. Probably not, but I just assume because currently he's contracted to. You put them up against any other team in the NBA and you're assuming a loss, no? And it's not like they're one or two guys away. Like they're a legitimate superstar and a legitimate, you know, top 10 point guard in the league away. And neither of them are coming anywhere close. Yeah, I mean, with the Raptors, you basically either have to build through the draft or build through the draft and trade out to get your your star. And I don't, I just, I don't know, man. There, it, it doesn't look like it doesn't look like they have the recipe in this round, which is concerning. It might be a blessing in disguise in terms of giving Ryakovich a clean slate when he comes in. Yeah. That Van Vliet probably gone, but I shouldn't say probably Van Vliet is potentially gone. Gary Trent Jr. is probably gone. Pertle, uh, we don't know. Uh, as of right now, he's not on a contract. And then let's hypothetically say Van Vliet's not back. Gary's not back. Pertle's not back. I say Pertle all the time. Pertle is not back. At that point, I think you strongly consider moving Siakam and just saying, fuck it. And just tanking this season and starting afresh next year. You don't I want think to be you the gotta get up. Canucks. I think you got to get up into that top five. I think that's the solution. They have to find a way to get into the top five. Do you think there's you any mean, way? By top they... five, you mean top five in the draft? Yeah. Next, not next Thursday, but two Thursdays from now. Oh, so oh, you no, mean maybe like it is this... next Thursday. You mean the draft yeah, coming Thursday. up this? Yeah, <laughs> the draft coming up this week. 
um, you want to be in the top five at that draft. So the so only way that happens is if you trade find your a, pick in Siakam to move up. And, I mean, you're, yes, you're, you got it. You got to look at either Scoot or Amon Thompson. Um, so you're looking at the third or fourth pick. So that's Portland or Houston. Right. I know Houston kind of, I know Houston's interested in Fred. Cause I, I, I think there's a world where Houston could land both James Harden and Fred Van Vliet. Uh, so that like, I don't know back to Houston. Yeah. I think he liked it in Houston. Um, but I don't think you're going to get the number one pick for Fred. Yeah, you might. I mean, they were going to give, there were later firsts though from Milwaukee and, and contending teams. I doubt you get that on a sign and trade, but if you throw in Siakam, so a, a sign and trade for Van Vliet and Siakam for the fourth overall pick. But but then you're then you're looking at probably was it Jabari Smith coming back as well? Yeah, probably. Right. I mean, that's you're gonna have to take something back, and you're gonna have to take back cash, significant cash, right? Because you're essentially giving Houston fifty million dollars of payroll, actually more than that, sixty million dollars yeah. almost of payroll. Well, because Van Vliet's gonna be what thirty thirty five mil. I, I think I heard numbers floating around today of anywhere from twenty eight to thirty for Van Vliet is probably what he's looking for. And Siakam has one year left on his deal at thirty seven point eight. Jabari is so handing making... them a bill of sixty million dollars. Jabari's only making like nine, ten million dollars, so I don't know. I don't know how they make that money work in Houston. What's Houston's payroll? We're not big. They're terrible. They weren't great. That's for sure. That's part of the reason why they had the fourth pick in the draft. So it's not going to be uh, one of the yeah, most. dude. Their highest paid players are Jabari and Jalen Green. Green. Both are making. Yeah. Nine, ten, ten million. So you'd have to, tr- you'd have to trade Jalen well, no, Green, Jabari have... Smith, and Deshaun Tate. Porter Jr. is making eighteen point two. Is he, he's on? A, is he on the team still? Yep. No, isn't he? A, oh, Kevin Porter Jr. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, Kevin Porter Jr. is eighteen point two. Anyways, the point is, if the Raptors do make a deal like that, it would be great, but. I don't know if Matt is ready to move on from Siakam. And I don't know if Houston can make that work. So there's a lot of moving parts here. Yeah. I wonder if I, I just get more and more of this mindset. Masai did what he was supposed to do when he was here. Is he just holding this team back at this point? Like, is your drive to be competitive so bad? Which, again, is a great trait to have, obviously, in sports. But at what point... Does that focus and drive almost do more harm than good? Because your team will never be in a position to get the assets it needs through the draft because you're never going to draft high enough. And obviously, you know, a 10th overall pick could just be a late bloomer in, you know, in five years, end up realistically redrafting and that guy's number one, right? But that's not likely to happen. It's the it's the whole argument, the retool versus rebuild, right? I think Masai tried to retool and it didn't. It didn't go. It didn't stick. You know. I wonder how much of that was him or how much of that was maybe MLSE. Or like them saying we want that playoff gate even for one game. The other thing about Darko is he he has a history of uh working on developing players, something Nick Nurse wouldn't do. And there's a few projects on this team, so I'd say there's more than a few projects on this team right now. 
This team, they might as well call this team the PJs. Hmm. Old school the reference. The projects. Oh, okay. It was a um, it was an old cartoon with D.L. Hughley. Yeah. It was yeah, pretty that. funny. It was like claymation. Yeah. Speaking of throwbacks, I know this is a complete tangent. Clone High's out. Oh shit. Yeah, I'm gonna have to watch that. Sorry, Governor. Peanut arms. You never saw Clone High, Dustin? I never watched Clone High. I don't oh Clone oh High my God. God! Go back and watch the originals, and then start watching the new ones. It won't take you long to binge. You watch it tonight. Yeah, it's like it's like the first the one season was like ten episodes. It's it's fantastic. Yeah, some and it's just it's funny. It's about they, all these cloned historical figures that get defrosted and all go to high school together. So you have like a teenage Gandhi who's like all hip and stuff like that. You have like a teenage Joan of Arc, Abe Lincoln, JFK, Cleopatra, all, Cleopatra. It's it's fantastic. So, so Gandhi's not back ep- for the season. So yeah, Gandhi's not back. So there's 12 episodes in the original run, and then there's uh or sorry, and then there's a third no thirty thirteen, and then there's six in the new one. So go do it, Dustin. Maybe, but probably not. This this is the guy who goes and watches fucking Transformers solo on like a Saturday, and he won't watch Clone High. One of my favorite things that I saw recently was an interview with um, pa- uh, Pedro Pascal. And the the question was something along the lines of, is it weird to go to a movie by yourself? And no. like, it, it, you see Pedro's face and he looks like, I go to all movies by myself. <laughs> I'm like, yes, He's like, what do you mean? He's like, it's weird <laughs> to go with people. Yeah. Uh, no, so yeah, like, but- I'm like... Okay, when I was younger, I had the mindset of saying, going to a movie by yourself is weird. Nowadays, I'm like, that's almost, if it's not like my wife or someone like I'm really tight with, that's almost preferable. Do you know what I mean? Like going by myself. Well, who like, else would you go to a movie with? Would you put yourself on no, Craigslist? Like, no, no, no. But I'm saying like, I mean really tight. Like if it was like you, Jim, or I, I would even say Dustin, because I think he has a respect for cinema the way that I do. So he would enjoy it. Right. Or, you know, like that, that inner, inner tight circle of people. If it's like a, like people you hang out with regularly, but they're not like on that inner part, then I'd be like, I don't want to go with you. Hmm. Thief. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't know. There's something to be said about it, I guess. But yeah, like, I don't know. I'm starting to subscribe to it more. I almost went to Spider-Verse by myself on Saturday, but I ended up playing Diablo for eight hours. Long story short, watch Colin I. Yes. I will think about it. And we should probably also discuss what we're doing for Flash this weekend, too. So we'll, we'll put a pin in that one. Now, someone who was gone in the Flash, I wish he was gone in the Flash, was uh, Anthony Bass, who it seemed like in the middle of the week last week was just getting prepared to be the asshole who catches the ceremonial first pitch on pride night everything seemed to be headed in that direction in fact the blue jays announced that he was doing that almost (laughs) as like an olive branch to mend the fences between the the pride community and anthony bass and then for whatever reason the blue jays decided to have a media availability with anthony bass a couple days prior to this, I remember the day before, actually. And 
Bass proceeded to put his foot in his mouth. And okay, so this is what he said. And this is from uh, Mitch Bannon on Twitter, who is a Blue Jays reporter for SportsIllustrated.com. Excuse me, SI.com, which is Sports Illustrated. Anthony Bass met with the media and answered questions. He said the following, and I quote, Moving forward, I will definitely know better than to post my personal beliefs on social media platforms. He didn't say, you know what, moving forward, I'm going to, I'm going to do better to understand uh, everyone's opinions and try to uh, do better. He didn't say, going forward, I'm going to, I'm going to learn different perspectives and, and try not to uh, spread hateful messages on social Here. media. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play the role of guy who doesn't agree with this, but is going to do this the right way. And I'm, so I'm going to be Anthony Bass, how he should have done it. <clears throat> la, la, la. Okay. Hey, guys. This whole pride thing, not something I generally agree with. However, I believe everybody deserves respect and acceptance and should be welcome into the game of baseball and enjoy a baseball game at the Rogers Center and be part of the Toronto Blue Jays fandom. Really excited to see everybody out at this Pride game. It's really all you have to say. Like, you don't, yeah, like, I, I just don't understand why these guys don't understand that nobody's telling you to agree with anything. They're just telling you to be accepting. You know what I mean? Like, it's, but that, that's the thing is they're too dumb to understand the difference. They think accepting is agreeing. They think, well, they think acceptance is promoting, right? And I mean, I guess on some level, you could argue that having a Jays jersey with a pride flag on the back is a level of promotion because it is a promotional giveaway. Um, but that being said, you know, at the at the end of the day, like, you know, we we sat here when we heard Bass's apology, we said, you know, if we're going to accept people and their styles of life, you also have to be accepting of other people's, you know, again, as long as it's not malicious. The fact that, that his opinions or personal beliefs that he's standing behind is calling it demonic is, is where it becomes malicious. Again, you can say you don't agree with something without being a prick. And I think that's the problem. Hell, it's an opportunity for Anthony Bass to have a conversation. Sit at a table with someone. Invite the conversation. Conversation should be had. But if you you can't you can't you can't actively try and hold down a community. And I think that's again, I, I believe I said this last week. That's the problem. And so, you know what? If now who's being held down, motherfucker? Right. So Set down. A year, a year, a mere day later, Anthony Bass was designated for assignment and Heisenberg was recalled, uh, conveniently just came off the injured list. Now, Ross Atkins said it was a baseball decision. Fuck off. Which is just like, why are you continuing to defend him? I don't understand. Or have a backbone, man. Be just like... That to me then says that he's probably in agreement potentially with what Anthony Bass thinks, and he's just using that as an excuse. Okay, well, I, I'm glad you brought that up because 
There was an article that came out today on the reputable uh, source of Blog.to. <laughs> and normally I, I laugh at Blog.to stuff. This is actually well put together. Uh, this is from Jack Landau from Blog.to. That sounds like a writer. <laughs> and the headline got my attention. It said, Anthony Bass is not the only Toronto Blue Jay following hateful social media accounts. So if you recall, when this whole thing first happened and Anthony Bass was asked about it, he said, I won't throw this person under the bus, but someone sent it to me on Instagram, sharing their views of the situation going on in the world. When I watched it, obviously it aligned with my personal beliefs. So that was his explanation as to why he posted what he did on Instagram. Uh, the important thing to note is the beginning where he said, I won't throw anyone under the bus, meaning not, not realizing that social media following views and everything like that. It's easy to fucking track. It is. So what he's saying is that there's someone else in the organization that sent this to me. Cause if he had said it was my buddy, Brad, who sent it to me, no one knows who the fuck Brad is. It doesn't matter. But if it's someone in the organization, well, then there's a problem or a potential problem. I shouldn't say there's a problem. Um, then they went and they were sleuthing around and the original post was by the, some asshole on Instagram, but this Instagram account was also followed by Zach pop pop. Of course, who also played with bass earlier in their career in here in uh, Miami. It was when they first came over in that uh, trade to Toronto, which is interesting to me. Cause like pop went to the same high school I went to. So it's like, yeah, but I mean, you know what happens when you spend some time in the great state of Florida. Right. And then all of a sudden you end up in Florida and things change. And in any event, um, so just to put that out there, that maybe that's where it came from. I don't know if that is in fact where it came from, but, and there, it, this article on blog to goes into like all this other shit that um, other accounts that they're following and stuff that it seems to be kind of like conspiracy theory and far right stuff. Now, to be fair, it's possible that they follow these accounts for the hilarity of it and they don't believe it. And they're like, ha, look at these fucking idiots. And they, they, they find the entertaining aspect of it. So that's possible. It's also possible that they followed the account prior to it becoming what it is now. Like maybe before it was a different kind of content and then it's now morphed. And it's just one of those things where like how many accounts do you follow now that you're like, oh shit, I still follow that, but it's changed the way that it presents itself over time. I don't think it was There's, either of those things. <laughs> <laughs> it says uh, Pop also follows an account called, uh, this is all jumbled into one word, so it's kind of hard to figure out exactly what it says. I think it says Jesus Endless Grace is the name of the account, which recently posted a video of a pride celebration with the caption, you will all have eternity to reap your wicked consequences. I'm not going to lie, playing Diablo, going to hell, not too bad. Hey, if Megan Fox is going to be there, Yo. you know what? <laughs> Those Diablo commercials, fantastic. She looks oh. incredible. Yeah, Yo, that Activision marketing, that department's great, eh? Yeah, I think they know what's going on over there. I think they got something up their sleeves. Now, again, it's possible that Pop doesn't feel this way. He just follows these accounts for whatever reason. So I don't want to put any words into the mouth of Zach Pop. Um, another interesting one. Um, last night or the night before, whenever it was, when Adam Simber just threw beach ball after beach ball after beach ball and got lit up with for like six earned runs in 0.1 innings of work, whatever it was. Um, for whatever reason, I shouldn't say for whatever reason, 
because people are assholes on the internet, then decided to like sleuth through Adam Simber's um, social media accounts to just find somebody to get him in trouble for. And they found a tweet from like 2014 where he had a hashtag all lives matter. It's like, oh boy. Well, then there's that. <laughs> but like, so, I see, I equate that to the all lives matter thing. It's, I think a lot of the time you're going to have two different people. You're going to have the people who are probably like racist bigots and haters. And then you're going to have dumbass people who don't actually understand what the whole premise of the black lives matter statement meant. And then and there's people, also another tweet uh, from the same time frame around 2014 from Simber that says, shut up, Kaepernick. Okay. The dude's just a bigot. Well, it's no different no. than, you know, your boy Nick Merckx out there saying Trayvon Martin deserved it or whatever in tweets. So, I mean, that's the thing, man, is Internet's got receipts, endless, endless receipts. Dude, it lives forever. Like, you can purge it all you want. Someone's got it or screen capped it somewhere and they kept Wait, that think in their pocket. Fucking people get busted for killing their spouses. You think your fucking racist tweet is going to hide? No. You know? Exactly. That that broad uh, in the US, she killed her husband uh, by giving him an overdose of fentanyl. The cops found her search history was how much is a uh, lethal dose of fentanyl? Can Can you delete stuff from your iPhone remotely? How long does it take the cops to find stuff on your iPhone? How is it search history? And these guys think they're going to get away with being... And listen, you know what? If that's your true belief, whatever, man. But then I have every right to call you a fucking... I don't know. Piece I can't go shit. that far. I don't know if that's enough. I don't know. No, I agree. But I think the 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 problem is is what we know in with sports is for them winning is everything and granted like i said bass was trash so it was an you know easier decision but hypothetically if anthony bass is has like a 2.2 era and his you know strikeout to walk rate is fantastic you know i think he's got like a five era or some shit anyway say if his numbers are absolutely stellar do you think he gets after all this shit even after that statement he gets sent away not sports is so bad if you if he was if he was as good as shohei otani with with that those kind of views like they would bring transgender people for him to throw at like that's how bad sports is they would just they would just satisfy whatever because like nobody's willing to take a stay like because at the end of the day it's which is weird right because people we say it's business but then bud light will go out there and put the the mulvaney thing on or target will have a whole pride section that people are vilifying so i, I don't believe in the business piece but then maybe well, it's because it's performance i don't know it's a, it's so fucked all of well, it's so fucked see? and we keep having these conversations over and over in cycles in circles because somebody else whether it's Provorov or a stall brother or bass or the guys on the rays or you know um the dodger the, the whole mess with the dodgers which is a whole other thing in itself it's just well, that's what i was gonna say like no one's calling for clayton kershaw to be removed from the dodgers 
Um, but that's a that's a that's a different situation. I don't know. It it, it is different than that situation. Yes. Yeah, because so, I mean, the group that they're inviting in there is is potentially just as bad as the anti. You know what I mean? So, I think if you're gonna if you're gonna have groups on both sides, you need to have the respectable ones, and not the like dickheads. At the end of the day, don't be a dick. If you're a dickhead, whether you believe in something or you don't believe in something, then you're a piece of shit. And that's where the line should be. The line shouldn't be based on what you believe in. It should be whether you're a fucking dick or not. And if you're a dick, then sayonara. Adios. DFA. DFA'd in life. Designated for assignment to non-existence. Like, that is... <laughs> well, look at, like, the back to the business thing. And... This is way off from sports, but it's on the Bud Light thing you mentioned is fucking look at a guy like Garth Brooks, who's in an industry that's very, very, I would say, littered with far right mentality, you know, with country music and kind of the area that it's prevalent in. And he's opening a bar and people are boycotting his bar because he's serving Bud Light there over a fucking beer. And he just said, I want it to be a place where everyone feels safe in where you feel like there's manners and people like one another. And he's just like, yeah, we're going to serve every brand of beer. We just are. It's not a decision to make. Our thing is this. If you are in this bar and you're coming to this house, you love one another. If you're an asshole, there are plenty of other places on lower Broadway. Also, if you are running a bar, <laughs> you're going to have Bud Light because they're going to pay you money to put that beer in your establishment. Yep. Bud Light, Budweiser. Everything distributed by well in Canada it's Labatt, but I think it's like Amherst, whatever the fuck in the U.S. Like they're Anheuser Busch. Yeah, like they're a major uh, producer of alcohol. They are going to be in every bar in the United States. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Again, I, at the end of the day, like I said, it's don't be a dick. And I'm and I'm always willing, dude. I'm always willing to have a conversation. Me personally, if you don't believe in something, come at the table, but come like come prepared to have a dialogue come prepared come with an open mind you know what i mean like i'll hear your side i'll hear your belief and if your belief dude even if your belief is based in religion cool but religion doesn't tell you to to smite people it says love thy neighbor it doesn't say love thy neighbor if they're cis white i'm not gonna lie there it's not books all full of contradictions so (laughs) Yeah, but yeah. what are you going to do? Even if it is, what are you going to cherry pick the bad stuff? No, that's exactly what they do, though. They cherry pick the shit that makes sense for them, but not, but ignore But they won't the cherry pick the stuff that's that's virtuous and good, right? Right. So. Well, something that was pretty cool to see was a Canadian finally winning the RBC Canadian Open. It is RBC, right? It is RBC. <laughs> like, I got the right bank on this one. Yes, okay. RBC Canadian Open uh, for the first time in 69 years. Nice. A Canadian (laughs) won the Canadian Open, which is something that is unheard of, honestly, in our lifetime. Uh, And then capped off, of course, uh, by that 72-foot putt by Nick Taylor to seal the victory. I didn't watch this because who the fuck cares about golf? But you guys love it. Oh, offside. (laughs) Shit, pal. Yeah, hey. Didn't you just hear what he said? Don't be a dick. <laughs> Dude, it was in the fourth no, playoff hole. Yeah. Like they were back and forth. And, you know, like on the 
second playoff hole, Fleetwood just sails it right into the grandstand. And I thought that I thought it was going to be that after the second playoff hole, second or third. But man, the drama. And especially like after the past two years with the Canadian Open kind of getting shit on because last year was the year. And I'm sure we could probably discuss this at length, but last year was the year that all these guys announced they're going to live And this year. It gets dropped on them that live in PGA are merging. Oh yeah. We were going to talk about that, but we totally forgot because yeah. so much has happened in the past few days. It's crazy. But, um, first Canadian in 74 years since I forget like his name, but one in Vancouver in like 19, what 69 or some shit or not 69, 19, something but it was man like i was glued my wife was glued and she's like a casual sports fan she enjoys hockey she likes basketball but like beyond that if some if something's cool on okay she'll glance but she was she was dialed into it too and you know it was fitting because i called my dad after he made that shot and landed on the green and then fleetwood made that chip to get literally in the same spot that he was in like the two playoff holes before. And I was like, great. That means Taylor has to at minimum two putt this because fleet was probably sinking this. It's the exact same putt. He knows how it's going to break. He knows where it's not going to break and he knows how much weight he's got. Like he's going to hit this in one. And the fact that he sunk it 72 feet out, like I, it was awesome in such great theater and such great attention for the Canadian open. That doesn't get a lot of love a lot of the time. So no, and it it's was not cool. like he was up against the jabroni either. He like Tommy Fleetwood is a top player in the world. Uh, and to be surrounded by the current Canadian, I think upper echelon of Canadian golfers like Corey Connors and uh, Adam Hadwin, Hadwin and Mike Weir and dude, Adam Hadwin took a sick tackle. Oh Yeah. Fucking security guard. Talk about hardos, eh? Back to the top of the show. That security guard was like, I'm earning my pay today, boys. 100% Bill Belichick was on the phone. Give me this man's <laughs> name. For sure. 100%. Oh, yeah. But but like the just full on like, do you have any football experience? No. Do you want some? <laughs> yeah. Sure. But it's... uh it's cool, man. Like golf. First of all, funny thing is that that course is at good old Jane and Weston, but all they showed was the Toronto skyline because you're not showing Jane and Weston on TV. I'll tell you that much. Oh God, um, no! The, those apartment buildings in the back and some of those shots. I was like, oh. Yeah, you're gonna see Rory get pegged with a bullet. Uh, but <laughs> that serene. the whole leaderboard was throughout the entire weekend was crowded as fuck with really good players from Corey Connors. To Roy McIlroy, Tommy Fleetwood, uh, you know Nick Taylor. I, I I can't remember who some of the other guys were, but it was just crowded. Hadden. Yeah, Hadden was up there. But and so the crazy, I think it's the good crazy for, thing was at one point seven guys were at thirteen under, and there was yeah. a seven way tie. It's it's good for golf, I think, to see, especially in this country, to see it celebrated like that. I think it's also good for the Canadian Open to have that kind of moment the uh, cachet, if you will, it, you know, so it can elevate it to one of those other tournaments. They, they kind of call it like 
a, a tertiary major you know the the players is the what they say the players the is the unofficial is the fifth, fifth and the Canadian the one's the sixth major. sorry yeah no the players are the unofficial fifth major and then the they say the Canadian Open's like the sixth, but you know they've been shafted at times with some of the best players. Hopefully, watching a moment like this, seeing the crowd. Oh, actually, you know I'm going to save it. I'm going to save it for my shadow. I think both of ours is probably going to be the same. <laughs> no, but... I think mine might be slightly different, but uh, I, either way, it was cool. And I think you know what? Now I want to go play that course. Yeah. Good luck. Well, I guess. What James is alluding to is that it's time for everyone's favorite segment of the week. That's right, it's everyone's favorite segment of the week because it is a segment where we get to hear Maven's wonderful entrance music from his run in the WWF, back when it was still called the WWF. I have a couple of them. I think I'm going to go with the one I just remembered. So we'll pocket the other one for another week. And I, I just thought of this one now because of the conversation about the Canadian Open and how it potentially puts Canadian golf into a new light and puts more emphasis on it and shows more people how great some of these Canadian golfers are. On the flip side, UFC 289 was in Vancouver this past weekend, and every Canadian on the card won their fight. And that is, I don't know if it's ever been done before, at least in Canada, to have every single Canadian win their fight that were on that card that night. So shout out to every single Canadian in the UFC for representing the red and white, and also, just so you know, Brock Lesnar technically is a Canadian UFC fighter. Just saying. So, anyways, shout out to our Canadian UFC friends and James, or Maddie, who wants to go next? Jim can go. My shout out is to the contingent of Canadians on the 14th hole at the Canadian Open for, it was called The Rink because it was it had hockey boards surrounding it and every time a Canadian player came to tee off on the 14th they sang oh Canada which is really fucking awesome um, and hammering the boards and shit yeah it's good to see and you know what that's funnily enough that's the kind of stuff that people give credit to live for is some of that kind of atmosphere so it was good to see you know a little bit more I would say classy than throwing bottles or whatever at people um, done and I think Golf could use a little more Happy Gilmore energy in that regard sometimes. Mm -hmm. Like, sure, there's a time and a place for the prestige and the majesty and the reverence of the masters. But there's also can be the other side of it, too. And I hope we get to see a little more of this from time to time because, you know, golf players can be rock stars. And golf can be a rock star sport if we, if we give it the chance. And... What a great weekend for Canadian golf, for golf in general. It was great. Damn you people. Go back to your shanties. <laughs> and you can count on me waiting for you in the parking lot. Ooh. You sure you forgot your nine iron? <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, there you go. Well played. 
Very nice. Uh, no, I've got two. One, the obvious one, Nick Taylor, just because how awesome that was, and you know what shot, it kind he of shot moments. a course record too. Yeah, he on the on the Saturday he shot a course record for that combination because there's three yeah. links to yeah. the course and combinations you can do. But um, yeah, no, that like it was just it's awesome. That's gonna go down as one of the coolest, greatest moments in Canadian sports for sure. Um, and then my other one is just goes to because I. I think we all know it's going to happen and you know shout out to Jamal Murray cuz he's putting up an absolutely beast like finals and going to probably come out the NBA champion on uh Wednesday night so um excited to watch that and Sir, so that's tonight. It's not tonight, is it? Yes it is. They're heater up by 5. Okay, so it might be tonight. Either way. <laughs> shout out to Jamal Murray of potentially becoming an NBA champion. And just because, like I said, it's been a lot of love for some Canadian content in terms of sports recently. You know, we, with golf, you have, like I said, Nick Taylor, what he did yesterday. Corey Connors has been on a tear the past little bit. Uh, Brooke Henderson on the ladies' side is one of the top 10 females in the world. And then you have, you know, Jamal Murray now going, to the, you know, playing out of his mind in the NBA finals with Jokic. Although Jokic, we know, is going to win the MVP if he, you, you know, um, but yeah, it's a, it's a good time to be a Canadian sports fan. That's for sure. We have, we, we're short, like we're super, there's a shorter episode and I know we didn't talk about it on the front, but just because we said we would, should we devote a little time to Leo Messi? Yeah. Why not? Have at it. So the, we talked about it months ago on this show that Messi's coming to Miami. And then there was speculation that he wouldn't. And then well, there was a go strong to Saudi. bid. Right. Then there was a very strong bid by the Saudis to bring him to their league, whatever the hell it's called, that Ronaldo has decided to retire in. Piv. <laughs> um, and you know what? I can't even, as much as I don't like Ronaldo, I can't even hate on him because it's the same thing with Live Golf where I was laughing when Live Golf merged with the PGA and like all these fucking guys who went there and took the money and now they're coming right back to the PGA with that that gash. Like what? as you say as you say that though, apparently there's a working out of a provision to make some of those guys whole. Like any of the guys that got offered the live contract to go, they're gonna be getting some kind of payout as like yeah. a loyalty to PGA. Yeah, we'll see what that that actually equates to. I, I can't imagine it's gonna be the billions of dollars they would have got. Or I should say yeah. billions. Hundreds of millions well, of dollars yeah. they would have got. Yeah. Anyway. Well, nevertheless, it is official, though, that Messi is joining Miami of the MLS. Inter- I forgot yeah, the name Inter-Miami, for a second. Yeah. <laughs> Inter-Miami. Um, the, the remarkable thing that I, I, I put into our list of show topics that we didn't end up getting to, but how Inter-Miami went from, like, 1 million followers on Instagram to, like, 4 million followers, like, overnight, just from the, the word of Messi becoming a member of that team. Unreal. And now I saw the other day that there's now like all these uh, proposals for a new building in Miami for them to play in. And it looks like stuff is popping off for Miami. I can only imagine the significant effect this is going to have on their team. Now, part of Messi's deal is also unheard of. Of how he has, I'll have to pull up the exact 
contract stipulations, but supposedly he gets a cut of merchandising and he gets a cut of Apple TV subscriptions. <laughs> like this guy isn't just here to retire. He is looking as a future investment opportunity into major league soccer. I mean, it's going to do wonders not only for my, well, first of all, David Beckham, fucking genius, comes to MLS, yeah. earns the right to buy a franchise, to open a franchise, because you have to be involved or play or something to, to buy a franchise in MLS. I forget what the, the restraints are, but um, earns the, achieves the, the criteria to purchase an MLS franchise, goes to Miami, lures Lionel Messi over. By the way, Inter-Miami is shit. They're not good. Gets Messi over here. Now the franchise overnight is worth $600 million. And not only is this good for Miami, as you said, Dustin, think about every city that Lionel Messi will visit. Like, being in Toronto, when the fuck would we ever get a chance to see Lionel Messi? You're still not. You know how much oh, tickets gonna are going to be crazy. But a select 20,000 people, well, he'll be... He'll be around multiple times, and it's not a one-year deal, so he'll be playing. You should That's... contact your account representative right now and renew your season tickets for next year. Yeah, which I yeah. didn't do this year. Um, but they'll That's probably awesome. jump 186%, like the Jays. Um, <laughs> but it's it's going to do wonders for the sport in every city that Miami travels to, which is going to be great. And I mean... Listen, if you think for one second this has anything to do with soccer or football, you're mistaken. This is a long-term play by Messi to have his own franchise eventually. Right, the same so way he Beckham also, did. In, in, uh, including his salary, which is whatever, hundreds of millions of dollars, who cares? He also will get equity in the team as well as his salary. Plus, he will get profit-sharing agreements with Adidas for merchandising and profit-sharing agreements for subscriptions to MLS Season Pass through Apple TV. Probably from people in Miami. I can't imagine he gets aggregate. Well, you uh, could... I don't, say, I don't know. Like, if you... All of a sudden, you can draw a line in the sand and say, messy announcement was here, and all of a sudden, we got X amount more season passed i guess that has to be worked out with mls though right right and but i mean they're gonna want him mls wants him in miami too right like why wouldn't they chip in oh of course but i can i bet they can clearly see that you know right now we currently have a thousand subscribers in argentina now all of a sudden we have you know (laughs) two hundred fifty thousand subscribers in argentina i wonder why right so it's not gonna be hard to figure that out and right. a little bit of a side, uh, like, a, I don't know, Easter egg, side note. Go back and look up some articles. Back in the day, I forget whether it was Giovanco or Defoe, or, I can't remember who it was, but back in the day, I think it was before, when did Ronaldo go back to Man U? But oh, whatever. Was a couple years ago. The, one of the teams in the running to land Cristiano Ronaldo was Toronto FC. Go uh, look up the articles. It, there was a serious bid by Toronto to bring him here. I mean... Obviously, they couldn't, I guess, couldn't compete with whatever Man U was offering, which was a bench position. But, uh, you know, he ended up taking a good jillion dollars from the Saudis. Probably doesn't like it there right now because, you know, he's not really doing anything. He's probably just 
running backwards and kicking balls into nets. But um, yeah, I'm I'm stoked for MLS. MLS is growing so rapidly; it's crazy, uh, and I'm stoked for it. I saw there's like a a highlight of Toronto FC's game this past week, and I don't remember exactly who or what or Ooh. whatever, but. There was like a, a goal that was scored off of Insigne's goal. Insigne, well, oh, is that Insigne's was goal. No, I think that was the goal that the goalkeeper for Toronto fucked up on and gave up the lead. But Insigne's goal was unreal. Well, the the point is, like, so the one that was fucked up. So I guess it was the Toronto goalkeeper, um, Sid Sixero, which I, who I find hilarious at times and annoying at other times. But anyways, his tweet was. Messi's going to score 50 goals in this league. <laughs> Just, if you look at the quality of some of the players Dude. in MLS, no, listen, it, it's still not like a top, top tier league. It's, it's not. It's not going to be. But, but it's the still quality a professional of, soccer league. And the quality of football between teams is great. Like the way the players are indexed against each other is just fine. Like it's not like, it's not like watching garbage leagues like all the players they're good and they they play well against each other like would tfc survive against crystal palace fuck no you know but would they survive against afc richmond (laughs) fuck no i mean they'd probably struggle against a tier two team like relegated but yeah quickly you wanted to touch on danny rojas yeah oh did i not even mention what that was no. Oh, so that was uh, in he was in Transformers. So there is a a random Transformer that pops up near the end of the movie and he probably has like two lines of dialogue. And I was like, is that Danny Rojas? Is like I was just hoping he would say something like Transformers life or something, but he didn't. So and I looked my, it up on IMDb later and he was in the movie. My boss got to go to the premiere in New York and she sat two rows in front of Pete Davidson and took a picture with Danny Rojas. That is awesome. Yeah. Wish Did you I know he's there. actually a professional soccer player in Mexico? I could totally believe that. <laughs> yeah, Christo Christ Fernandez, the guy who plays Danny Rojas, he's a professional. He uh, played professional soccer in Mexico for a bit. Fuck yeah, but, that's cool. Um, yeah. Um, no, Messi only means good things to that league, and it's not like he's coming in when he's just, like, barely being able to scratch it together, and, you know, it's strictly for... Like, the dude can still ball. We should sort sure. out a game where we, we all go, just for fun. Like, there's... Um, tickets on the patio or we can go up even high up it's a lot of fun we should all go i'd go but for a game where miami's here i'm not going to be able to afford it no 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 we'll just go over regular game and just to tie it all together with soccer and with mls and canadians and earlier when we were talking about the microsoft showcase when mk1 was announced I know, like I'm going for a walk on this one. Okay, pack a lunch. When MK1 was announced and the lead designer or whatever came out on stage and said, you know, we've been, uh, we always kind of looked at making this game as like the Van Damme game, like Jean-Claude Van Damme. And I was just hoping that they're going to say, and one of the downloadable characters is going to be Jean-Claude Van Damme and Rob Van Damme and the goalkeeper for AFC Richmond Van Damme. Damme. You got one out of three, so that's okay. You never know. Maybe well, you know, Zorro. You heard, you heard that uh, Jean Claude is a skin for Johnny. Yes, yeah, yeah. Johnny, yeah. Right. But I, I want Zorro. 
in <laughs> Mortal Kombat. And that may eventually get me to buy a Mortal Kombat game. It might be on game. Don't worry. In like six months after release, it'll be on Game Pass and you can play it there. Sounds good to me. We thank you very much for joining us for another episode of 43.6. Shout out to all of you for subscribing and for sharing with your friends and for liking and for doing all those wonderful things. We greatly appreciate it. We will see you next week. And until then, take care of yourselves and each other.